Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's incredibly special episode of TCCP is none other than former Worcestershire and Devon scene bowler, Mr. Charlie Morris. So Charlie, first things first, mate, thank you very much for taking the time to come on to the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county crickets. I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? I've had a good day. Thank you. It's, firstly, it's a pleasure to be here um, and uh, thank you for inviting me on. But yeah, day's going well. Um, started early uh, and we were discussing this before uh, uh, before we went live. But yeah, I've got a, a two-year-old. So um, yeah, didn't didn't choose to get up early, but uh, day, day's been quite long so far. But uh, yeah, be, been good. Thank you. Excellent. That is wonderful to hear, mate. And in terms of the dad life, are you enjoying it? I am. It comes with its challenges. Yeah, definitely, definitely getting into the uh, tantrum stage now. Got a very sassy, independent young girl, but uh, it's also amazing. Uh, Yeah, one of the most rewarding things um, for sure. And uh, yeah, we've got another one on the way. So um, yeah, it's going to get doubly as chaotic quite soon, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly sounds it. But congratulations, mate. That's absolutely wonderful. And um, yeah, obviously wishing you all the best. Yeah, so I'll need it, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, message of good luck heading yeah. into the future. Yeah. But um, honestly, Charlie, no, that is absolutely fantastic to hear. And yeah, it's good that we're both in an excellent mood then because we have got a lot to discuss in today's episode of the County Cricket Podcast. And to be honest, Charlie, there's no better place to start than at the origin of your cricketing tale. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this simply sensational game? Yeah, actually, it's quite a, um, yeah, I've got quite a, a nice memory of it. Um, I came back from school, I think I was probably uh, six or seven years old. And um, I came in uh, uh, and, um, yeah, on, on the TV was cricket. And, um, you know, it was one of, I can't remember what year it was, but it was when, you know, had those tiny little, um, you know, cube TVs, uh, no smart TVs <laughs> back in the uh, 90s. And um, I think England were playing the West Indies and it was on, I think, Channel 4 at the time. Um on terrestrial TV. And I, I said to my dad, I said, what, what's this, what's this sport? And he said, cricket. And he tried to explain it. And uh, I got a kind of uh, grasp for it. And um, yeah, we jumped in the car and actually drove down to Toys R Us and picked up a kind of garden cricket set. And then from there, just played in the back back garden. Um, and yeah, dad kind of taught me uh, how to play cricket. And it, that was great. And it just kind of grew from there, went to school. Um, some of my friends were playing at the local cricket club um and um yeah i ended up joining and and you know doing a little bit of quick cricket and then pairs cricket and it evolved from there what a game quick cricket the <laughs> foundation of many a professional cricketer's story <laughs> as we've yeah, absolutely it's great fun isn't it um yeah some really good memories from it some going to competitions and stuff with school and uh, even pairs cricket actually brilliant loved it um yeah, wish wish you could get out loads of times and just lose ten runs. You know, even now it'd be perfect. Give yourself another chance. I know it's a shame there isn't a, a professional standard of, of quick cricket. It's probably one which a lot of people would would fancy their chances at. To be honest, but it's a wonderful introduction to the game. And did you ever get to play diamond cricket? That's another quite popular variation of it now. No, I haven't actually. No, um, but yeah, I wish uh, maybe I wish I had. Um, yeah, it's it, oh, there, 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 there's so many uh, you know. Um, kind of gateway competitions or, or, or 
formats as such you know for for young for young kids to get into the game and um they're all just great fun that's the most important thing you know if the if the fun fun is there then it you know um grips people and if if you know youngsters get get the grip for it then um hopefully they'll just continue to play and that's that's the the, the foundation isn't it really to to carry on and enjoy playing cricket hopefully for your for your life absolutely and they are just fantastic pathways aren't they and gateways into What's unsurprisingly, in my opinion, is the best sport ever invented. I think it's quite obvious when we're 270 episodes into the Counter Cricket podcast that I do quite enjoy this sport. And in terms of those early days, Charlie, so the days in the garden, the days with your dad, obviously, I'm guessing he would have been a massive influence. But in those formative years, did you have any idols, any icons, any influences or role models per se who you tried to almost model your cricket off of? in those early years yeah i always remember watching um alex stewart on the tv uh which i know is crazy uh, to say because i'm a bowler and he was obviously a keeper uh, keeper batter but i always used to try and emulate him when i was really young um and then there was darren goff bowling you know used to love love watching uh watching goffy bowl it was, it was un- unbelievable um and um yeah i just you know used to, that was it just go in the garden and you know or, or, or up on the moors where i used to play uh cricket on dartmoor just on some um up near uh, uh just with my dad just up up near the park or whatever and yeah kind of just run in and pretend to be these uh these cricketers and that's um you know just 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 great memories really um and yeah just played yeah my dad was obviously a, a big influence um he never pushed cricket upon me we just we just played and just had fun and um that just naturally um yeah just kind of just i don't know planted the seed and uh yeah just some some lovely lovely memories really um and yeah i used to just as soon as i got the got the bug for it i'd just be in the garden i'd be throwing the ball against the wall i'd be bowling at some sticks or i'd just throw a tennis ball against the wall and then just be kind of hitting it back and um that's it. it's funny how you you can you, you how quickly you can improve just doing that and by practicing on your own when you when you're younger um you, you know and uh, and then yeah just in the holidays we just kind of cycle up to the local cricket club my first cricket club was yelverton cricket club um down in in devon just um uh yeah near, near tavistock yelverton is and um yeah kind of just in the holidays would cycle up just go and you know play cricket for two or three hours in the in the morning or the afternoon with my friends and then you know cycle home in time for tea or whatever um just just great memories and um yeah ones i'm very fond of and as you should be that sounds like the life doesn't it Let's face it, on the <laughs> on the moors, getting to play cricket and then cycling back home all in the space of a day. Goodness yeah. me, sounds like a, a wonderful way to, to spend your childhood, to be honest, Charlie. And in terms of those two choices, two very different choices, obviously, because Alex Stewart, as you mentioned, 8,463 runs to his name in Test Crickets, one of the best ever English wicketkeeper batters. And then Darren Goff, who across formats, absolute beast and a character as well used to stick yeah. his tongue out when he'd bowl at times so again two excellent choices there but I suppose with those two in mind why did you choose to become a seam bowler then if you liked batting in in the back guard and if you enjoyed watching Alex Stewart why mm. did a young Charlie Morris decide to go into the dark art of seam bowling yeah se? yeah maybe a mistake now how, how much my body hurts <laughs> and all the pain it, it brings but no it's um i don't yeah good question i mean when you when you're growing up you just you just play cricket as i said and um you know i, I think i probably did a bit of wicket keeping i really enjoyed my batting 
Um, but I don't know, somewhere along, along the along the way, kind of bowling just took off a bit. And um, I, I always enjoyed enjoyed bowling, that feeling of taking a wicket. You know, it's a really special uh, feeling. And I'm, you know, I'm sure all cricketers can relate to that. You know, that, that split second when you've taken a wicket, that feeling of euphoria. Um, or, you know, if you've hit a boundary or you get a 50, whatever it is, that, that kind of that feeling. But for me, I don't know, the, just something about bowling. I just really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, just I think I just got got better and better at it I probably just practiced it a lot more um it's probably easy to practice bowling on your own you need someone to throw balls you could you could throw balls against the, the I don't know, garage door or whatever and hit them back but I don't know if I was practicing so much maybe I just practiced more bowling uh when I was that young and just kind of got better at it and then yeah I mean it was um yeah I mean we can we can we can maybe come on to this in a bit but um yeah I mean I I, I wasn't uh you know the most talented cricketer I'd say or um I, I tried for Devon when I was kind of under 10s, under 11s and failed uh, at, at both those trials um, because, uh, it, you know, I bowled, I think, every ball bar one down the leg side. And, you know, I couldn't really, had no consistency um, at all. But, I, you know, enjoyed playing my my cricket for uh, for Yelverton in the in the village, um, kind of local village league. Um, and then, yeah, just somewhere along the line, just, yeah, kept kept working. My, my say my dad... Um, as we were talking before the before the podcast was in the uh, was in the navy, so he was away a fair amount. But when he was back, you know, we got the nets, and um, he would take me to uh, to some of the bases that he was at. And we had the, the opportunity to use the facilities there, and um, you know, whether that be bowling machine or the indoor uh, sports halls if it was raining, or the outdoor, you know, Astros and stuff. And very fortunate really to be able to access those um, facilities and just just practice, and you know, basically got better. And you know, I remember him. Uh, you know, do do some bowling um, uh, sessions where, uh, you know, he'd say, right, you know, if you hit the stumps two more times at the next six balls, I'll buy you an ice cream on the way home. And uh, that was a really nice memory because um, it, obviously a nice, nice incentive, but I think it was really because he wanted an ice cream uh, before getting home without my mum knowing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, you know, but I, I think these things just kind of, I don't know, just, uh, yeah, you know, made, made me enjoy bowling and, um yeah, I've I've loved it. I've, I've, it's 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 a brilliant. Uh, I, feel, I feel very fortunate to be, to be to have been able to do it uh, professionally, and um, yeah, it's just been a, a massive part of uh, of my life so far. It certainly has, Charlie. And yeah, you went on to have an excellent career, as we shall discuss in due course. But I feel like we've actually mentioned your dad an awful lot here without name dropping him, just for the listeners out oh. there, and of course for his benefit. What was your dad's name? Uh, John. <laughs> yeah, John. John. Yeah, Dr. John. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh yeah, and and my mum Gillian and my sister Abby as well. They were both uh, uh you know incredibly supportive over the years as well. It'd be wrong of me to uh to not mention them because um yeah, I'd say my dad was away uh being in the in the forces and you know my mum stepped in uh, at all times to take me to cricket or to county trials and my my sister would let me bowl at her to uh you know, to get practicing and stuff. So, um, but yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think anyone listening to, to this will, um, I'm sure be able to relate to uh, people that have helped them along their, their journeys to with cricket, whether they're younger or, um, you know, and, and just, you can't, you can't, you know, improve or get, get anywhere without support and help. So I certainly owe a lot to my family for that. 100% and it is something which is so common on the podcast it's about having that strong stable support network and that isn't always family at times it can also be friends and family friends but Definitely. no that is absolutely 
excellence here. So shout out to the Morris family for providing all of that support in those early years. And in terms of seam bowling itself, Charlie, I mean, obviously the listeners, you guys won't be able to see this, but Charlie's eyes lit up as soon as we mentioned seam bowling as an art form. So in terms of the the magic of seam bowling, what was it that you enjoyed the most, Charlie? Was it about, I don't know, knocking over stumps, making batters look foolish? Was it about intimidating the opposition, making the ball swing. What was it about seam bowling in particular which made you fall in love with this craft? Yeah, I think um I think looking back, it was probably, you know, taking wickets by by bowling the batter when I was younger. But I think, you know, as that you know, as you uh, go through your cricketing journey, it evolves and I, I think uh, there's something uh, really, I don't know, rewarding about um you know getting the batter to play a miss or, you know, getting them out as, as you grow older by maybe uh, taking the outside edge and them getting caught at slip. Um, and also just as you grow, if, you know, if, if you've got some pace as well, it's quite exciting to, to be able to, to have that. Not that I was ever very quick, but, um, you know, as you're growing up and, uh, you know, you started to, uh, to push towards county, uh, county level, then uh, you, you've got to have some 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 pace to to work with, and um, I don't know. I think, and then you know, looking at it from a from, from having had a professional career, I, I actually really enjoyed the um, the hard work. Um, that was something I, I really really enjoyed. The you know, push putting in a big shift um, to to take your wickets. I can't remember what my uh, strike rate was in first class cricket. But I think it was around fifty four or fifty six or something. So you know, I had 56. to work hard. Fifty six. There we go. Uh, nearly fifty seven. So I had to work hard to get my wickets, and um, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed putting in that that real slog, um, and 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 just trying to dot dot up pressure um and do a real shift for the team and um you, there's something really rewarding about that certainly in red bull cricket um when you you come off and you've you know taken some wickets but most importantly having gone for many runs you've built pressure by stacking up maidens with your uh with your with your other bowling partners and um you know you come off and it's just you just feel this real sense of just um reward at the end of the day and, and even more of you you know you get to the end of the uh the fourth day and you, you've managed to get that win in a championship game it's just so so rewarding just sitting there with a beer um you know enjoying that celebratory win with your with your friends and um and, and yeah your teammates it's just uh a, yeah just really special and that so it's evolved and going back to your question um you know my love for uh for bowling yeah and um yeah now now it's over i'm gonna miss it and that's the case with pretty much 90% of cricketers, isn't it? As soon as your professional career does come to an end, there is always that feeling, that sentiment of, of missing the game. But, I mean, obviously, cricket's a very, very tough sport, as we'll get on to later on in today's discussion. It's not all yeah. sunshine and rainbows, is it? No, as, as, many, <laughs> as many a cricketer has found out over the years. But before we discuss the, the tougher elements, and we do get on to the more difficult aspects of your career at Worcestershire, I suppose, Charlie, we have to talk about where your county career actually originated from, because how did you go from bowling in the back garden, batting on your own in the back garden, playing for Yelverton in club cricket, playing for Budley Salterton as well? Shout yeah. out to Budley Salterton, yeah, another out. cricket club in Devon, who have obviously played a massive role in your development. But how did you go from those early days and those formative years on the village green to representing the likes of Devon, the Oxford MCCU, and of course, Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Yeah, um, 
Uh, so I think just it kind of grew uh, my uh, my love for cricket. And uh, w- with that, I think if you've got passion for something and, and love, um, e- even when you, you meet a, a setback or a, a little little failure, um, you keep pushing through it because, um, you know, it's it, whilst it might be easy to just, you know, stop and, uh, you know, think that actually this is too hard or, you know, it's not going to work out. If you've got a real burning passion, it, you keep going back and keep working hard and keep training. So I had that that underlying passion and, and desire, uh, I think. And uh, as I say, failed um, uh, junior trials at, at Devon initially, failed my maybe under 13, under 14 trials for Somerset because I went to school uh, up in Bath for uh, my GCSEs and then, um it was only under 15s for somerset that i actually got into the squad and started playing um you know county pathway cricket so it was a bit of a slog to get there um but i just kept kept working hard with the support as i've I've spoken about and um you know big shout out to the to the schools as well i had a lot of um uh yeah a lot of opportunity to to play and to learn um and kind of get thrown in the deep end a little bit um uh, you know playing cricket you know a couple of years above above where I was um and then yeah went to school uh at K- I went to Kingswood school in Bath and then uh for my A-levels went to King's College Taunton and that was a massive um uh yeah had a massive impact because um you know but our, our, the team uh in my my I was in doing my AS levels but um Josh Butler was our captain um and then we had Craig Mashader who was in my year Alex Barrow and we had some very very good cricketers and um you know, just to learn off them was, uh, you know, was huge. And um, obviously, Kings is a, an amazing cricket school. And to have the expertise as well from the coaches there. Um, I think all of this kind of helped me keep developing. And um, yeah, I got a stress fracture in my back when I was um, 17. And uh, basically couldn't bowl for my uh, kind of in my uh, upper uh, upper sixth or a level year um i was pretty much out for for 12 months just trying to help my back and it, it unfortunately didn't heal um uh, I'd, I'd unfortunately played through it uh in my as uh years and um the, the back had formed a, a non-union and uh the, sorry the bone had formed a non-union so it wasn't going to heal um so i underwent surgery when i was 18 um had a screw put through it which I, a lot of uh bowlers out there have had um but yeah i yeah, I went through that and, uh, you know, wasn't in the county pathway system. Um, yeah, I had that when I was 18 uh, on the 10th of July, 2010. Um, and then, yeah, from there, yeah, kind of rehabbed, went out to Australia a few months uh, later um, as, as part of like a gap year before going to university. Um, yeah, kind of played it in Melbourne, just got did, did a load of training and trying to kind of got back into cricket and then when I came back for the um 2011 summer I think it was um yeah managed to get play some games for Devon got picked up on the back of that so it kind of you know having had quite a big uh mountain to climb um yeah kind of got an opportunity to play some minor counties cricket for Devon so I'd almost made a bit of a jump I think from going to Australia um and, and then and then yeah from from there went to um to oxford brooks university and joined the mccu scheme um i was very fortunate graham charlesworth a big shout out to him who who still runs the uh the setup there now uh, but he saw saw some potential in me and um it was the first time i'd really been um on a full-time program and it was just the the, the opportunity i needed because um i knew i was just going to make the most of it and 
you know, I was, I was pretty much at university for the cricket as opposed to, <laughs> to for the course and the study. And I, I did, I probably spent more time, um, you know, training and bowling in the indoor centre and, and stuff than I sometimes did going to lectures, but um, <laughs> managed to, uh, yeah, obviously play the first class games against the counties and then get picked up um, that way. By We played against Worcestershire and managed to bowl um, reasonably well. And, and then Steve Rhodes, uh, the head coach, um, invited me for trials that summer and, and again managed to go on and impress um, as well as playing for the combined universities and yeah it was from there really that it that it all went so you know big big shout out to uh to graham charlesworth for allowing me to um to, to be a part of the scheme because i say managed to uh scrape through university managed to get a degree in the end but i say it was it was very much a, a cricket motivated decision so um he, he was a big part of uh giving me that opportunity just out of curiosity what was the degree in uh sports science yeah oh right okay so very much linked in then yeah it was yeah absolutely yeah um it was i guess yeah i kind of probably saw it as a little bit of an opportunity to, uh yeah to to uh explore that world and um uh, to be quite honest if, if if cricket hadn't worked out i wanted to uh to join the marines um so yeah i was kind of just going to university uh, I, I didn't enjoy doing sports science there's no no doubt about that but um yeah, it wasn't I wasn't totally set on doing a, a, a career down that that kind of um that line. Um it was very much kind of going to the going to the Marines or hopefully cricket work out and cricket worked out and yeah, it's been it's been an awesome ten or ten or eleven years or however long it's been since uh, yeah, those those um university days were um, finished. Well, just touching upon those days in the Oxford MCCU scheme before we get on to our chat about Worcestershire. We we have to talk first and foremost about your first class debut because you did make that for the Oxford MCCU and you made it at an incredibly underrated venue as well. The parks are absolutely glorious. One of the, as I said, the most spectacularly underrated first class venues. I know they don't play it very much now, but in terms of the location in Oxford, it's absolutely world class. So that must be a lovely place to have, have made your bow in the first class format. But in terms of that debut, what can you remember about that fateful game against Glamorgan back in March 2012? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree totally as well with the parks. I, I loved it. Um, it was it was brilliant. What a what a place. I used to yeah, okay, cycle down from from uh, Headington, where Oxford Brooks University is down into into Oxford. It was just great. I love love the uni days. Very lucky. Oxford is an amazing. Uh, city and uh, you know to be able to cycle down through all the historic uh, past all the historic um, sites and stuff and then end up at the parks and play some cricket it's just brilliant um, but yeah answering your question about that uh, first class debut I remember being so nervous because it was such a big uh, occasion I didn't manage my nerves well I was um, having worked so hard to get there I couldn't believe I was going to make my first class debut and I didn't sleep a wink the night before um, I was you, you know just completely uh, overwhelmed by it and um i think i nearly went for 100 off 16 overs i reckon um so it was a pretty poor bowling performance or, or, or uh, yeah so i think it was uh, maybe went for 96 97 i think and um but i did i managed to get a wicket in my my first uh or my second over i think uh, it was a court and bowled i bowled absolute dross <laughs> for the first seven balls and then um yeah kind of looped one up and uh the the batter uh, chipped it back so it was a caught and bold and um that was a that was a nice moment um but i yeah didn't perform well at all that game um but then 
you know, as I say, a week or two later, we played Worcester and I kind of got the nerves out of my system and I managed to get my head in uh, in order and just turn up and actually just bowl and enjoy it. And um, funny enough, you know, that's one of the keys to, to playing well and um, and has been all my all my career. And it, I'm sure it would be for anyone, really, if you just relaxed and, and enjoy your cricket, you play at your best. And yeah, thankfully uh, for that fixture, I did and, and managed to, uh, to bowl pretty tidily. And as I say, the opportunity to... Uh, to have trials and then um, you know get a career with Worcester really came off the back of that. It's interesting how life works out, isn't it? I suppose the the seeds been planted then in that particular fixture, and yeah, then yeah. went on to spend a, a decade with the West Midlands outfits, as we shall discuss. But Absolutely. I must say, Charlie, that is very very impressive recall. Yeah, figures of one for ninety nine in that game <laughs> at the parks, and um, yeah, yeah. Try, try to forget it, I can't, yeah, it's hard to, that's the problem, okay, nearly, I remember I came off and Graham Charles and said, well, congratulations, you've nearly turned up on your, on your first class debut, <laughs> just in the row, with the, with the ball at the bat, which was quite funny at the time, looking back, uh, but yeah, um, that's why it's probably <laughs> stood out. <laughs> You say that, though, at least you got a first-class wicket to your name on that day. And you did mention the court and bowled absolutely spot-on with the dismissal. Can you remember which Glamorgan batter it was? It was Stuart Walters, uh, I do remember. Um, yeah, I was <laughs> I was only reminded uh, of, uh, yeah, a month or two ago about that, so that's why. But, um, yeah, I played again. He was a very good cricketer. And um, he obviously played for Glamorgan uh, for a period. Of, he got a minute. I just remember... It was the first time I bowled at a pro, and oh, say my first few deliveries at him were so bad. And he absolutely—I've never felt the ball be hit so hard. And yeah, I think he must have. Uh, I say it wasn't a particularly um, uh, great, great delivery. Uh, I think that, that, that got him. It was um, certainly batter error on that occasion. So um, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, it was just one of those. I was just uh, yeah, luck, luckily held on to it. <laughs> Goes back to that old adage, though, doesn't it? It doesn't matter how they come, and you find that out in your cricket career very, very early on. But in terms of those days, then at the Oxford MCCU, Charlie, before we do have our chats about the pairs of Worcestershire, mm. how do you reflect on your time in the MCCU scheme? Because this is something which we've spoken about at length on this podcast: the importance of this scheme, which is now the UCCE scheme again, Oxford are very much a part and parcel of that, as are Durham, as are Cardiff, right? There's plenty of these hubs all across the country. But something which always crops up time and time and time again is the sense of opportunity. It is that opportunity to put yourself in the shop window, to almost reveal yourself to the county, showcase your skills per se. So in terms of those years spent at the Oxford MCCU, how beneficial were they in terms of your developments on the next stages? of your journey in professional cricket yeah they were uh, absolutely crucial uh you know the invaluable um it, i i can honestly say i don't know whether i've been a professional without um ha- having had that opportunity at the uh on the mccu scheme because um i mean you you, you know you, you make what you what you will of of it it was just an opportunity and um you know, you get you get out what you put in. I, I put in everything uh, into my time and, and developing my cricket, and um, you know. But you need the opportunity, and, and the biggest thing about it was the opportunity to play against um, the first class counties. And um, you know, that still happens now in pre season games. They're not first class fixtures, but it's still an opportunity. And I think players develop at different rates. And clearly, you know, I was a, a later developer in many 
many uh, regards, um, you know, in terms of cricket and, you know, much like some batters are, you know, you could just, you can be a batter and, you know, struggle maybe through your, through your teens and, and not get a contract or fall off the, uh, an academy um, system, but then, you know, go and churn out a load of runs for, um, uh, for an MCCU and find yourself, uh, you know, trialing and, and then all of a sudden get a professional contract. And um, yeah, I think I, I just know lots of players that, um, I can't remember the stat several years ago, but there was a huge number of players that were playing professionally that had played through the um, MCCU or UCCE scheme. I, I wouldn't know. I can't remember what the stat was, but, um, you know, the standard was good. You know, I played against Joe Leach was at Leeds, um, had, you know, t- probably five or six um, kind of contracted pros at Oxford, I think at the time. Um, and, you know, Leeds had, um, Leeds Bradford had, had loads. Um, S.A. Leachy, uh, Jonathan Webb was there. Uh, and just, you know, it was just good cricket. It's good universities cricket to, to be able to, um, yeah, you know, just, just kind of keep progressing and, and pushing your game forward. So I'm a massive fan of the, of the scheme. Um, as I say, I owe a lot to it and, um, long, long may it continue and, and, and be funded because, um, it'd be a shame to, to miss out on, on so many cricketers that could potentially, uh, go on and play for England, um, out of it. You know, Sam Billings was at Loughborough and, uh, you know, he's the, the player that he is now, but he was part of the Loughborough scheme and I appreciate he was with Kent anyway, whilst he was at, um, uh, at Loughborough, but, uh, it just shows the, the caliber of player that was playing at that time that, you know, have gone on and done amazing things on the world stage. 100% and actually Sam Billings was my go-to example but there, okay. there's also James Bracey as well who was part of that Loughborough scheme went on to yeah. represent England in test cricket and then I think of the likes of Michael Burgess at Warwickshire Sam Cook of Essex he also played for Loughborough Hassan Azad who played for Leicestershire and this season Northamptonshire so and that's just Loughborough right yeah. we're not even talking about the likes of Cardiff Leeds Bradford Durham Oxford yeah. They really yeah. are pivotal in terms of the English cricketing structure. So completely echo that sentiment, to be honest, Charlie. And yeah, long may they continue because absolutely, it really is important, isn't it, for these young cricketers to have that showcase, to have that opportunity. And who knows, we could be seeing an international cricketer blossom as a result of that chance. But aside from the MCCU scheme at Oxford, I suppose we've got to talk now about the pairs of Worcestershire County Cricket Club because... One of the 18 first-class counties, a, a very historic team. They play at a lovely venue at New Road. So I've got to ask, how did you go from playing at the parks to playing in Worcester? How did that opportunity first manifest itself, per se? Yeah, so I, yeah, so I trialled, um, having p- performed well against uh, Worcester at the parks. Um, so Steve Rose invited me down and, um, yeah, I turned up, played some second-team cricket. At the same time, it kind of depends... Uh, the opportunities in second team cricket depends on how many slots they've got available. So I was kind of playing a few games for Worcester and then, you know, some bowlers, they needed some staff bowlers at the time to get some overs in. So I'd then go and play for the combined university side in the second 11 championship. So I was, they were monitoring me. Um, and I thankfully, you know, had a good year, um, managed to put some performances together. And um, I remember getting the call from uh, Steve Rhodes. I was up in Blackpool at the time playing for the combined uh, uh, universities against a, uh, Lancashire second 11 um, and uh, got the call. He said, look, we're going to offer you a, a summer contract. Uh, really, really happy with how you've gone this summer. And I, you know, I just remember breaking down in tears actually, because it was, I'd worked so hard. It was all I wanted. It was everything. I said how passionate um, I was about making it as a cricketer. And, um, you know, just to hear that there was just like, wow. Uh, but actually that was just the start. You know, it's funny how you work so hard to get somewhere and then you, 
you attain it, but then all of a sudden you're right at the bottom again and you've got to go, you know, the ladder just keeps on going and you've got to, you know, reset and go again. And, um, you know, that was a, a, just an amazing, amazing memory. And I remember, yeah, my parents uh, were up uh, watching that game of uh, second eleven cricket up in uh, Blackpool with my, my aunt and uncle actually. And they cracked open a bottle of, uh, bottle of fizz, I think on the, uh, on the beach. And, um, yeah, so that's really how it came about. And um, yeah, as soon as Steve Rose gave me that opportunity, I just, uh, you know, said that that was it. I was just going to make it happen. And um, I, I was on a summer contract, so uh, I still had a couple of years left of university. So I'd kind of go and do my university studies. And then in the holidays, I would, uh, or when possible, I'd kind of get the train across to Worcester, um, you know, take part in... Um, uh, in, in the full full squad training in the winter and then when when university study uh, finished in well, i think it was may uh, the university's breakout then go across and uh, and play full time for worcester for the remainder of the summer and um you know just so in terms of throwing my all at it i used to just you know whenever i had an opportunity like a three day window at university where there'd be some some downtime from lectures i'd just jump on a train you know go across um take part in in training at worcester go back you know if, if university broke up early before christmas i'd go and do a week's worth of training with worcester and um you know i think just committing yourself like that and and showing up uh, goes a long long way um first for, for, you know for your own development as a cricketer but also uh just showing willingness and and desire and um you know and, and yeah it was that wasn't there was never a burden it was never you know, ah, oh, I'm going to miss this university social because uh, I've got to go over and play for Worcester. It was just absolutely everything I wanted. So, um, yeah, that's really how it came about. Well, again, Charlie, that's absolutely wonderful to hear, to be honest. And yeah, it is a, a testament to the hard work, the sacrifice and the dedication that went into that opportunity in the first place. And in terms of your first impressions of Worcestershire as a club, what did you make of the West Midlands outfit? Because beforehand you'd played village cricket in Devon you'd played minor counties for Devon and then of course had played in the MCCU but first class counties are a different beast aren't they let's face it on the Mm. ladder in terms of facilities in terms of expectations it's a completely different ball game so what were your your first impressions of Worcestershire as both an outfit and I suppose as a location yeah uh well actually my my dad grew up in uh in, in Malvern um and i went to school in worcester so we kind of had some family ties to to the area so he kind of told me about worcester and and the club and i'd heard about worcester and stuff and how it was such a welcoming and family uh, orientated club um and that was really true and i remember walking through the turnstiles and looking out at the ground and just thinking wow you know amazing and um i walked up into the graham hick pavilion and i was really sheepish nervous and uh you know steve rose and matt mason were very welcoming but i almost felt i didn't didn't really feel like I was um, uh, no fault of the of the squad. They were incredibly welcoming, but I almost felt like the uh, the changing room was like a hallowed place that I, you know, shouldn't really step in. So I kind of remember putting my bag in the corridor and kind of sheepishly uh, keeping out of the way and just keeping my head down and um, just getting stuck in with training. Um, but yeah, it was just it was great. I mean, New Road's a beautiful ground. It's iconic with its uh, cathedral background, and um, obviously with the flooding as well. Uh, that's it's quite well 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 known for that. Um, I think the ground's underwater now. Actually, there's been a lot of rainfall, uh, obviously over the whole country. But um, yeah, River Seven's burst its banks this last few weeks. So um, you know, it's uh, but it's an amazing place. It really is. I I, I absolutely love the club, um, and I just remember it being really welcoming and um, just an amazing. Uh, amazing view of that cathedral 
and um, and also just the history of the club. You know, looking back, uh, you know, to some of the great players that have played there. You know, just thinking, uh, I think Glenn McGrath, just one bowler that I can think of that's played there out of the couple of five hundred or so, five hundred and fifty players that have played now over its um, over its history. And um, you know, and then you know, at the time when I when I when I was trialing, uh, Vikram Solanke was uh, was there. Obviously, Daryl Mitchell was there. who's was, was my captain. Um, uh, Moen Ali was there and they had you know Alan Richardson um I kind of had one year where we were um kind of play, playing together and they're in the same squad now he's obviously head coach and um you know so some some big names there and uh yeah they're all just just great people well that is absolutely lovely to hear Charlie it really is and glad that you got such a warm welcome at Worcestershire because that is a very common theme actually when it comes to interviewing Worcestershire players, it is, as you mentioned, very much a, a family-driven club. And in terms of your debut for Worcestershire, what mm. can you remember from that? Because I'm guessing that must have been an incredibly special day, given all of the hard work, the toil, the dedication, the sacrifice, the near misses, the failure at times on this mm. journey. What was it like to step out onto that field for the very first time and represent Worcestershire County Cricket Club? Yeah, it was great. Um, the first game I played was uh, against Australia in a tour match. Um, yeah, I think it was 2013. Um, mm-hmm. So they had uh, Michael Clark was the captain. Steve Smith was batting oh, maybe five or six. It was kind of it was just a five. Before, yeah, yeah, five. Yeah. So he, it was just before he had um, kind of kicked on as a uh, as an out and out batter. I'd say he was kind of still bowling his leg spin and, and batting at five. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Shane Watson opened the batting with um, uh, Chris Rogers. Um, and then um, I think I, think, oh, I can't remember the rest of the uh, uh, the lineup, but um, yeah, look, it was uh, that was scary. I remember being <laughs> really scared. But having gone through the, this is one thing I would say, having gone through the MCCU scheme, and I appreciate it was very different. But having made my first class debut and having learned off off how I didn't control my nerves in that game against Glamorgan, and it was you know completely different beast playing you know your first game of uh, cricket against Australia in front of a crowd at New Road um and it was you know because it's a tour match it was a full stadium um but I had learned off it and 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 therefore you know I, I managed to perform okay I bowled all right in the first innings um in fact I I, I was I think I had I think I no, no discredit to the umpire at all for this for this um, uh, for this decision at all. I, I no, don't don't mean to say that at all. But I had a, a very close LBW shout first up, first ball I bowled, and I, I was so surprised that I hit uh, Chris Rogers on the pad. I didn't appeal, and all the keepers went up. And that's a massive mistake because if the bowler doesn't appeal, the umpire doesn't think it's out. But I think if I'd given it a bit more of appeal, it might might have been a a tougher call to make and um you know I, I think that just shows the nerves that i had at, at that moment but um what a great it was just amazing memory and um you know i was just pinching myself you know it was michael clark standing at second slip um and they had ryan harris running in bowling at me and um yeah i just i remember i think i got 25 not out with the bat and um i say like half of them went down to third man and uh, they were getting more and more angry and uh yeah kind of you know spitting feathers at me and you know it was just i was just like this is great just just smiling and and you know i just thought you know whatever happens this is beyond what i even ever thought i'd I'd be doing and um yeah so that was my first class debut i think second innings i got whacked but you know that can happen (laughs) well it can and again it was an incredibly strong touring australia team and 
spot on yet again in terms of, of those batting numbers. 25 now from 32 balls. And I just look at that Australian attack with the likes of Ryan Harris, Ashton Agar, who had yeah. a very, very memorable 2013 Ashes with that mm. 98 down at the, the lower end of the order. And then, of course, the likes of James Faulkner and Jackson Bird. Jackson Bird, great domestic samer over mm. in Australia, legend for Tasmania. So, yeah, yeah, some very, very capable bowlers there. And it did actually make me laugh a little bit that against Glamorgan the previous year, on your debut, you scored one from 18. And then against the Australians, you smashed 25. So yeah. that's quite an improvement. <laughs> Yeah, I smashed, definitely edged 25 against them, perhaps. But uh, yeah, yeah, I managed to get some uh, some runs. But um, yeah, I remember I was just, again, against Glamorgan, just very nervous, just didn't play a shot. And then kind of got, I, can't, I think uh, I think it was Croft got me out, uh, maybe Bold or LBW, I can't remember. But um, yeah, it was just, you know, one of those where, uh, yeah, it kind of just get a peppering. You sit there and just get, you know, smashed, or you, uh, you know, try, try and uh, play some shots. I think a bit of fight or flight managed to say edge a few down to third man, which got my strike rate up. <laughs> Again, though, it comes back to that old saying: it doesn't matter how they come, and that's the exact same with the bat as well. All the same yeah. on the scorecard: fours and sixes. <laughs> doesn't say edged for four. It doesn't say top edged for six. Just says four. <laughs> The scorers, exactly. so <laughs> there we go. Let's show the wagon wheel. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, let, let's ignore the wagon wheel. Let's yeah. pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> but um, in terms of your time at Worcestershire, then Charlie, because I'm guessing that would have been a tremendous occasion. Obviously, representing the club for the very first time, and what an opposition as well. The Australians with the likes of Steve Smith, Michael Clark, Chris Rogers, Phil Hughes, Shane Watson. A great, great team to say the least. But I suppose in the power of hindsight and retrospect, what would you say was your proudest moments from your time at New Road? Is there one particular performance, one particular day, even one particular season, I suppose, which stands yeah. out above all others as really oh. standing out to you from a personal yeah. perspective? Golly, that's... Um... That's a really tough question. I'm very, very lucky to have had the uh, the ten years at, at New Road um, that, that I had, and um, yeah, I just think the uh, you know the, my first season we we got promoted, uh, managed to play every game and, and get um, I think 52 wickets that season. So that was pretty special. Um, I, 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 I'm going to have to just r- r- rattle through a few if that's okay. To put put one up is really hard um, uh, above them. I think uh, I said I mentioned to you before the podcast that to remodel my action. So the the, the year I came back in um, twenty nineteen properly after that kind of uh, uh, two or three year um, uh, kind of exodus from the uh, from the cricketing world uh, that was quite special as well because there'd been a lot of um, uh, a lot of anguish and a, a lot of a lot more hard work that went in during that period. Um, to get back to that point. Um, and I'll just say, you know, just opportunity to play at finals day. That was amazing. That'll be a memory I'll never forget um, for the rest of my life. Um, and, um, you know, I, oh, there's, there's just so many memories which have been uh, incredible um, along the way. And um, you know what? I, I will, I'll put, put if I could just explain it, I think the one thing that I'd, I'd, I'd hold above any, anything else um, is probably highlighted in the last game of cricket I played for Worcester. Uh, and, and this is the thing I'll miss the most um, uh, about playing first first class cricket, and and it's not the the runs you get or the wickets or you know the um, 
necessarily the wins, although those are those are all brilliant. The the bit I you know, and there's so many of these memories that I will always cherish is um yeah, say so that that last game I played, I didn't know it at my time at the time, but um yeah, we 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 played against Middlesex at um, Merchant Taylor School, and it was thirty five degrees, and we lost the toss, bowled first, hoping to turn up and bat in those conditions, and you know we had to put in a right slog. I think I bowled all my overs up the hill. Um, put in a real shift and you know you, you come off at tea and I, I can't remember what we had maybe, maybe six or seven down so we still had to go back out and you know you sat there and I look across the changing room at Joe Leach who's a sweaty mess and just looking exhausted and 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 then all of a sudden Brett Dolivera will crack a joke and it's just those moments there that are just priceless you know as I say all the wickets and you know success on the pitch or seeing your teammates do well is, is brilliant but actually it's just being a part of a team that are all um kind of pursuing one goal um and, and are there for you know just each other's success and uh, you know just to turn up with your friends and and have uh have, have banter and just play play cricket there's no better feeling in the world for that and that's so special and it's definitely something that i'm sure a lot of pros will agree on uh ex-pros that they they miss that changing room and being a part of it and um and so that's what i will hold certainly is my my some of my fondest memories above above everything and rightfully so, to be honest, Charlie, because there are an awful lot of both personal and team achievements which we could list. So, for example, promotion, you know, in, in that first season in 2014, where you did take 52 wickets at 26.36. 2015, 44 wickets at 34.31. Worcestershire's third leading wicket taker in the competition behind Joe Leach and Jack Chantry. And then, obviously, 2019, again, 44 wickets, a bit of a, a common theme appearing yeah. in these stats <laughs> at the moment. But the average, 21.47. How about that? The pair's joint leading wicket taker with Ed Barnard. So plenty to be very, very proud of. And in Thank terms you. of just one final performance that I did want to mention, and I'm surprised you didn't actually mention this, was the 7 for 45 against Leicestershire. Yeah, golly, yeah, that was the game I came back after... Uh, so I yeah so I had to remodel my action um, at the end of the uh, right now 2015 season um, I went for uh, some testing at Loughborough um, so uh, sorry I'm kind of going a long long route round this one um, to, to to come back to that seven for forty five but um, yeah kind of tw- 2015 remodeled my action um, so went for testing at Loughborough I got invited down by uh, Kevin Shine who was the England fast bowling coach at the time. Uh, or performance coach and um, uh, yeah it was the kind of pre prerequisite testing for the um, England performance program that they used to run for fast bowlers and um, whilst I'm not saying I was going to be on it I was uh, went down to the testing and stuff which was um, which was done and it was there that I was found out that I needed to do some work and um, yeah it just was the start of you know two really really tough years just <laughs> lots of graft it was um, yeah uh, yeah uh, just just kind of lost love with cricket in, in many ways during that period because um, there was, yeah, there was no quick fix to it, but, you know, put in the work and then 20, 2018 um, got back and played a bit of cricket and I did okay. I think I played some uh, 50 over cricket for the club um, and then played five championship games and did okay. And I kind of got, um, you know, that was a little bit of a springboard then into the 2019 season. And then, and then that seven for 45 happened. And that was really the start of that, that kind of really successful comeback. Uh, season of having gone through um, 
through that process. So that was really, uh, really special moment, um, you know, to win. I think it was the first game of the season. Again, always cold in March or in April um, when, when you play. And um, yeah, that was just sort of said how, how rewarding it is to win a four day game of championship cricket. But um, yeah, that was a really nice, nice moment. I had a lot of support from uh uh, from my teammates and stuff at the time for that. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, enjoyed that immensely. As you should, because it was a very, very special performance. And in terms of the wickets, Attic Jarvid, Paul Horton, Mark Cosgrove, Harry Dearden, Lewis Hill, Tom Taylor and Ben Mike. So that is quite the the septet. Don't often say that word on the podcast, but the septet. So seven yeah. for... Goodness me, that was absolutely fantastic. And just going back to that discussion about the remodelling of the action, Charlie, because it was something which we were going to discuss in today's podcast. And we alluded to the nature of cricket at times being very, very cruel. It really is. I think at times it's a reflection of life, isn't it? You have your great moments, you have your real rock bottom moments as well. And it's all about just riding the wave, I suppose, keeping an even keel through the great times and maybe the turmoil as well. So let's just talk about those difficult years because it is part of your cricketing journey and you overcame them. Tremendous fortitude to get over them as well. So in terms of the action itself, Mm. what was actually wrong with it? Because this is something which I can actually find from my research, but what was it in particular about your bowling action that they found to be a little bit suspect compared to others? Yeah, just black and white. It was uh, too much flexion in the bowling arm. Um, so, you know, there's 15 degrees permitted uh, for all bowlers. Um, and uh, I think that's, from my understanding, not, not every bowler has flexion in their, their arm, but uh, most bowlers have some degree of flexion in their in their arm. Um, and, and that's just naturally how the biomechanics of, of bowling actions work. And that's why there's a 15 degree tolerance. And, and mine breached that. I think I was around the 20 degree mark, so about five degrees. Um too too much um and yeah just had to had to work to put that right um and that was tough because uh it was firstly having to deal with the stigma of it because it was never an intentional uh thing it was a um technical flaw technical breakdown um and i've always tried to say work hard and do things right and you know it was never wanted to be um thought of as, as cheating even though a lot of people would probably say it was and that i was you know, had a five degrees of, um, of, of, of added benefit for gaining pace or whatever, but hand on heart, that was never the case. I, I just, you know, had a technical flaw, which I had to, to work on to put right. And, um, yeah, so I was dealing with the stigma of it, um, and, and actually, you know, fr- fronting up to it, but, um, as I say, just p- persevered with it. It was, uh, really tough. It's a very complex issue actually, I think, and it's not that well understood. And I see, I've, been very lucky to travel around the world and play cricket and um you know i i, I see you know uh, you know actions um at, at club level and around the world that um that people probably need a little bit of help with but the reality is i don't think um uh, cricket in general really knows how to approach it um i say there is a stigma with it and it's there's a lot of unknown um and so you know go, going through that I had to do a lot of um kind of self um self research and that was part part of it really with um the support of Kevin Shine, who helped me through that, went down to Loughborough a lot, worked with him, Matt Mason, who was the bowling coach at the time at Worcester, and um, Paul Felton, who was the biomechanics expert at Loughborough. You know, we did a lot of research and actually um, the, the work that we did, I think, was, was being spoken about on the ECB level four, um, uh, bowl, uh, level four um, coaching qualification as, as part of the bowling module. 
um, because it was very much just kind of kind of learning and, and, and figuring out, OK, well, why why does this happen? And I, I won't bore everyone listening today uh, or, or to this um, in, in, in time as to exactly why these things happen, because that could probably be a whole nother podcast. But um, it's a complex issue and it's not just about kind of looking at source and looking at the arm and saying, well, that's the issue. It's actually a breakdown of the kind of whole bowling action, the whole biomechanics of it, the chain uh, from the floor up. Um, and, you know, managed to put it right. And um, despite the fact that I kind of fell out of love with cricket during that time and it was really tough and I kind of all the success I'd had to date in my mind, I had so much self-doubt because in black and white, when I looked in the mirror, I thought, well, I shouldn't be a cricketer. You know, this is I shouldn't be a fast bowler. I shouldn't be being paid to do what I I love doing. I've put everything into to achieve because it's outside of the parameters of the law. And, I, you know, I think the only reason why I got through it was by just being completely honest with myself on that and actually not trying to find excuses or, um, you know, be be sour about it, just front up to it. And and also just some perspective as well, because um, there's a lot more worse things in the world than having to uh, to knock a few degrees of flexion out your bowling arm, you know, and I think we could look around the world and pick up on, on lots of things like that um, that happen in, in people's day-to-day lives. And actually, fundamentally, I was still turning up and able to, uh, to I was still a professional cricketer and, you know, and, and just bowling. And you know, I think just that sometimes helped those darker moments, really, to uh, to get through them. Well, just to, to touch upon this in more detail, Charlie, because this does <laughs> absolutely fascinate me in terms of the biomechanics and apologies to those who who aren't as interested in the biomechanics of bowling and and what it means for different players but there's quite a bit to break down here so obviously there's the feelings the emotions almost the the negativity towards cricket but you mentioned about stigma and that is something which is very interesting because it is something which pops up straight away isn't it when you talk about bowlers who've had their actions remodeled some people do label cheat don't they because mm, yeah. it is technically against the laws of the game. You're not allowed that extra flexion. So in terms of that stigma, why do you think it does exist? Why do you think there is so much, I don't know, negativity and, and bad feeling around bowlers who do have to remodel their bowling action? Uh, I think it's that, you know, but that, that's what bowling is. It's about bowling with a with a straight arm. It's it's If, if not, you know, it would be a different sport. Um, you know, people would... Uh, you know maybe say you know baseball or whatever you know should be playing but um you know it's not it's cricket it's part of the rules and um you know that's that's what makes it uh the amazing sport it is you know the technique that that's required to uh, uh to, to bowl um and yeah so i think that's why the stigma's there um but uh, you know i i think it, it's it's a really tough process to go through and um a, a lot of people that I've um, helped actually uh, around the around the world. Um, that w- whenever I've travelled and and um, uh, yeah, for, for example, uh, the club I was at in Australia, um, you know, have offered some advice or even some young young kids that I've coached actually, where I've just said to the parents, look, I'd show, you know, I've been through this. I, I I could just ignore it, but I think I wouldn't be doing my duty as a as a coach. And um, I think that's part part of it as well. I think people are sometimes like. Oh, don't really want to say this because you know we don't we don't really have a measurement is there something wrong here isn't there and this is the gray area with, with within within the uh the game you know it's very hard to say definitively whether there's an issue or not with with someone um and yeah look it, undoubtedly i don't i don't know you know um you, you maybe could, could get extra pace with it uh you know if, if you're a spinner you might be able to get more revs on the ball and i think that's why you know cheat 
could be labelled within uh, within within cricket um, for for people which have uh, suspect actions. But you know, uh, having gone through it myself, it was that was never the intention. It was just a technical breakdown, and um, you know, and it was true. I think when I came back, I didn't uh, deliver the ball with as much pace as I did. Um, it, it made me learn to become a different type of bowler. I used to kind of hit the pitch and nip it off the seam, and and I, you know, from making the changes, I actually learned to swing the ball by being a bit longer in my action by um yeah kind of getting behind my alignment was better and i learned to swing the ball so it made me become a different bowler and i wasn't as quick but um you know that was that was a, that was an interesting uh, thing to go through because it kind of had to change my whole approach to how to take wickets and everything absolutely and it's fascinating that you mentioned that actually because this is a great opportunity to actually discuss this element of, of bowling but how does one go about remodeling their action because if you are used to bowling a cricket ball a certain way, mm. for in your case, your entire life up until that point, using a certain method, yeah. what are the steps, what are the processes to almost tear that down, bring it right back to the bare bones and almost rebuild a different bowling action? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, well, I could certainly talk about it from my perspective because I think it, it, everyone's action is unique. And, and if I was to give people advice, I'd have to look exactly at uh, their their actions and, and make a, an appropriate um, recommendation. But uh, it started for me. The reasons why I was I, I was really slow through the crease. I spent a lot of time on my back foot, uh, which collapsed, which meant that um, my top half kind of was stuck and uh, through the action. Uh, but by spending loads of time on my back foot, it meant I. Um, fell away to the to the left had lateral flexion and that made my my, my shoulders rotated round as opposed to over uh, in the action so you want your trunk to move forward um and as a result of that uh, kind of that that un, um uh, kind of rotation of the shoulders in a kind of horizontal plane um that brought that brought round the the epicondyle as it's called in the on the elbow um and it almost uh, caused the bowling uh, arm to um, do a shortcut to catch up um so uh, through the uh, through the mo um through the action um so in terms of correcting that it was about getting through the crease quicker off my back foot uh, a big one for me was lining my front side up um to the to the stumps and making sure i was kind of a little bit stronger kind of getting my my lat um uh, to or my front shoulder to to line up and and then also just uh grooving the action to kind of the rotation of my shoulders to go over the top um as opposed to rotate round um and as i say there's no quick fix to that unfortunately you know we tried loads of things to see if there was a quick fix but actually it just came down to to breaking the action down uh, finding where that threshold is that you can hold that technique together uh, and then having done a load of work at that threshold you know then push it up and and eventually you know make those incremental improvements and, and all of a sudden you find yourself back up to performing um or, or kind of match match intensity uh and then you've got to go and put it in and hold on to it within a within a game because under pressure our technique can just unravel a little bit um we kind of revert back to our um our old type um uh, you know what we've historically done and i think it's just then um being able to hold on to that uh you know uh, that the changes that you've made in those um uh, pressure moments which really comes down to practice and just trying to emulate uh, match intensity as best you can um, so that when it comes to the crunch moments in game you, your technique holds and um, yeah I was just really proud to have managed to do that. And you did and you have been a success story of reinvention so you should be immensely proud of that Charlie and in terms of those more difficult moments during that process because you missed basically two years 
of your cricket career at Worcestershire as a result of this. You had a period between 2016 and 2019 where you played very, very little cricket compared to the early stages of your professional career. So in terms of your motivation, where did you find that from? Where did the inner steel, the drive, the motivation to continue in cricket come from after all of this adversity? Yeah, I think, well, having had some success and 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 having that feeling of we got promoted, obviously, I know we got relegated in 2015 straight after, but having had that initial uh, success and, and that feeling of, um, you know, what it, what it's like to be a, a cricketer at, at, that, at that level at county cricket, I didn't want to just throw that away. I didn't want to just let, let it go. I, you know, I, I didn't think all that work that I put in to that point was uh, was totally wasted, even though I had a lot of self-doubt, um, you know, about, about my, my, my action and uh, and the performances that I that I put in, thinking that actually that's is that fair? You know what I've achieved, etc. Um, but I thought no, because I, I you know I say it comes that comes back to that passion and 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 actually enjoying what what I did beyond beyond measure. And um, I just felt so lucky to be able to do it. And you know we're still able to travel around the world. I went over to Australia to play cricket in those winters to try and just get away from the break the cycle of. Um, just continually bowling at an empty net <laughs> and actually you say put into practice the new technique under pressure in the in grey cricket in Australia and kind of make that um yeah kind of make that change more permanent and um and so that was great you know that that, that helped just going and being in Australia for four or five months you know going and playing but also just experiencing the warm weather and and just being um you know just just being part of a, um, a side out there and getting involved in the club just helped take you take your mind off it um, and what what the life and culture is like over in Australia, which was amazing, and um, you know, just even stuff like you know preseason tours and things. I just you know just think, wow, how how lucky is this? I don't want to just throw this away. You know, this is hard. I know it's not going well right now, but I'm not just going to throw this opportunity away because I know if I keep working at it and I get through it, it's going to be absolutely worthwhile. And um, I'm glad I stuck at it because I absolutely love my uh, my my years from 2019 all the way through to. Uh, 2022 when I you know finally uh, finished due to my my knee, knee injury so um you know I'm pleased I could have quite quite easily just you know thrown the towel in but um yeah ha- happy I didn't and to be honest I imagine a lot of Worcestershire fans are glad you didn't as well Charlie because as you've just mentioned there extended your career at the club for what another two three seasons essentially so that is yeah. a massive massive thing to be proud of and in terms of the, the latter stages of your time at Worcestershire, I suppose we do have to talk about the knee injury and how unfortunately yeah. your time at New Road did eventually come to an end. So in terms of the injury itself, when did it start being problematic? When did it start flaring up, per se? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, the big issue really was uh, that, that game at Merchant Taylor School. I said uh, I died for a ball in the field and my knee just... Uh, just blew up and um, went for a scan and unfortunately revealed some damage, um, uh, ir- irreparable damage, unfortunately. Um, so it was a, it was a matter of, uh, oh, I had surgery just uh, to, to try and uh, stabilise the issue uh, in the joint. And then, um, yeah, kind of going back to, um, yeah, kind of rehabbed all the way through the through the 2022 uh, winter and into start of 2023. Everything was going really well. Uh, rehab was going brilliantly um and then we went out to desert springs um for our pre-season uh tour uh, early this year in uh, in february 
Um, and it was it was out there. Bowling was going all right. It was building up slowly. Uh, you know, probably was going to not be back in time at the start of the season, but hopefully a few weeks after that. Um, but yeah, just dive for a ball in in, in training, just some routine fielding uh, drill, and and again the knee just uh, just blew up having had the surgery and stuff. And um, yeah, it was at that point really that um, the writing was on the wall, unfortunately, and uh, it was a very um, uh, yeah very. Uh, obvious decision as to what the right right thing to do was um you know having discussed it with the consultant and um yeah say the, the sensible decision the, the reality that was a very realistic chance um you know that uh, my knee was never going to recover um to the extent to even play uh any you know long format any 50 over cricket and look not even t20 cricket just uh you know meant that uh, time was time was done and i'd love to have played for a, another you know five six uh years potentially i'm only 31 so you know pl- plausibly could have um had many or several more years ahead but you know i'm just very fortunate to have had the uh the, the 10 or 11 years or so um that, that i've had um and uh, as i say very uh grateful for the opportunity from worcester but also for all the support i've had to to have the career really um and uh, it's a modest career compared to a lot of people and i look at leech who's one of my best mates you know he's taken nearly 450 first class wickets so i think he might have done now 450 you know that's astonishing or alan richardson who finished on 569 or you know first class wickets alone you know those are outstanding careers and um you know my, mine is absolutely modest but it, it's more than what i ever thought i could achieve and i'm just I've just loved every minute of it, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly miss uh, not putting on the uh, the green baggy cap and walking out for Worcester at New Road and 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 uh, representing the club. And that's completely understandable because they are some of the best years of your life, aren't they? Let's face it. I mean, it's very very special dressing rooms that you do come across, and yeah, you do never forget about it. But it's interesting you mentioned there, Charlie, about a modest career. And I've said this a lot on the podcast because, as many people will be aware, I'm not a professional cricketer. So I really do say this when I mean it, but I don't think there's such thing as a modest county career because the fact that you've even reached that stage, it's something which thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not even millions of people around the world never get to experience. There's no such thing as a modest professional cricket career. So I think you should be tremendously proud. And just to mention the stats, because I'm a bit of a stats fiend, right? 237 wickets in 77 first-class matches, 44 list A wickets in 41 matches, and 32 T20 wickets in 32 career T20 matches. So well over 300 wickets towards the show over the years. So in terms of Charlie Morris's cricketing legacy, at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. What would you say is the legacy you've left behind, Charlie? Oh, golly. Uh, I, I don't know. I just hope, I hope I've just left a, a legacy, if any, of, of one where I've just put my absolute all in for the club. Um, I've just never, you know, I've, I've just given everything on the pitch. I've never, as I say, taken it for granted. Um, and, you know, I've just absolutely loved wearing the Worcestershire cap and blazing representing the county and um you know I, I i've never thought about playing cricket anywhere else and um i just feel i say very fortunate to have done that um and uh yeah it's it's given uh me some of the most amazing memories over 10 years um that i will never forget um and um yeah also enable 
to make some some great friends for life um, that I always keep keep in touch with, and it's given my family the opportunity to, you know, travel travel a little bit around the world, um, you know, over to to Australia. My wife came and stuff, and these are just things that we just feel so uh, grateful for. Uh, so I've never taken that for granted. So um, yeah, that, I just hope that in terms of any legacy would just be uh, one of gratitude and and just absolute absolutely gave everything really to it well i'd agree with that to be honest because just looking at the the statements when the news was announced on the worcestershire websites from the likes of alan richardson for example said that you were a a classic example of hard work and dedication a consummate county professional so there you go that is something to leave behind at new road heading into the future but uh charlie i suppose just one final question a rather profound one to end what's been an excellent episode of the County Cricket Podcast, I must say, I've absolutely loved this today, but what does the future hold for Charlie Morris, aside from daddy daycare duties, which will be doubled in the near future, but aside from being a dad, what does the future hold for Charlie Morris? So I'm uh, I'm looking to get into project management, Um, so I'm doing some qualifications at the minute. Um, Yeah, so just job hunting, Um, hoping something will will come come through with that soon. yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, to get into to project management. Um, hopefully, be be somewhat good at it. Um, but you never know. If 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 not, uh, and things change in the future, then uh, I certainly wouldn't um, say no to coming back and and trying to get into cricket and some coaching capacity. Um, yeah, you never know what the futures hold. But but right now, I'm absolutely committed to. Uh, to, to getting into project management so um yeah we'll see time will tell well charlie it goes without saying mate but obviously myself and everyone associated with the counter cricket podcast are wishing both yourself and your family all the best of luck heading into the future i mean it's been an absolute pleasure i'll say a pleasure as a warwickshire fan maybe not at times against the bears but when yeah. you haven't been playing against my county it was a pleasure to watch you do your thing and yeah, very positive then to hear that you've got some future plans in project management and who knows one day, maybe a return to cricket in a coaching capacity, a media capacity, any capacity. Could be on the cards, you never know. That's the great thing about life. There's so many expected things which take place and all of a sudden you're somewhere you never expected to be and it can work out for the best. So we'll have to wait and see and yeah, obviously wishing yourself all the very best of luck, mate. But that Thank does basically you. bring us to an end to what has been a fascinating episode of the County Cricket Podcast. Charlie, before we say our goodbyes for the recording, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything oh, like that? No, I, I don't. I'm afraid I'm not very, uh, yeah, I don't use my social media too much. <laughs> I haven't got anything to promote, I'm afraid. But all I can say is it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to be on. Thank you for getting in touch and uh, and asking me. And I, if anyone's got any uh, questions about remodeling action or or, or anything, uh, then I'll always be willing to um, uh, to help. And so you know, just try and drop me a message on social media or, or whatever. And uh, yeah, but very willing to um, to help anyone out who's, who's listening or or in any way. So uh, thank you for having me on. It's been great. Uh, it's been my pleasure, Charlie, honestly. And you're always welcome back on the Counter Cricket Podcast for a future episode. And obviously for any of you guys as the listeners who do want to give Charlie a message, let's say you are struggling with your bowling action, we'll leave the links to those social media channels in the podcast description below. But that is it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's show. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, 
We'll see you on the next one.